<clears throat> so uh, tonight, <clears throat> of course, attributes of God, uh, and we're going to talk about the one that Travis would say is the the most important, or at least that's the one he said last week. Yeah, the holiness one. And I, I completely understand why he says it may be the most important one, but uh, one guy calls it the attribute of all attributes because a lot of God's other attributes are also described as having holy love or holy judgment or holy or holy wrath or anything, things like that. So we're talking about that once again. <clears throat> we do this uh, because we're actively seeking and accurately understanding who God is uh, will promote high and holy living. And I feel like that's probably the, this attribute for sure will require that, if you understand it correctly, a high and holy living. Every aspect of our lives are reflective of our view of God. An accurate understanding of God is foundational to how we know Him, worship Him, serve Him, and become more like Him. All right, so let's get into it. Holiness of God. So the attribute of holiness is described of God to the highest degree. In Hebrew, we don't have the holiest. We don't throw the EST on there to show most important or the greatest degree. And we see it because it's repeated three times. Holy, holy, holy. That's kind of like the EST version of the superlative. Um, that's the only attribute that's like that. Um, only one that's repeated three times. Um, A.W. Paint says in Scripture, uh, He is frequently styled the Holy One. He is so because the sum of all moral excellency is, is found in Him. He is absolute purity, unsolved even by the shadow of sin. And then uh, Stephen Charnock says, God is oftener. I don't know why these. I know, but that's why he says it. Oftener styled holy than almighty and set forth by this part of his dignity more than any other. This is more fixed on an epitaph to his name than any other. You never find it expressed his mighty name or his wise name, but his great name and most of all his holy name. This is the greatest title of honor, and this latter doth the majesty and venerableness of his name appear. So, when we're talking about just who God is, we say that he has his name, even just what we refer to him is holy. Um, so, looking at this, I really didn't follow um, A.W. Pink's progression. Uh, I really liked how Stephen um, Lawson talked about it. And he talks about it in two ways. You have the primary way and the secondary way that we look at holiness. <clears throat> primary way, which the majority of, especially Old Testament, the majority of all scripture refers to God's holiness as that he's completely set apart from man or all creation. Like he is so far apart from us. And that's what R.C. Sproul says. He says, when the Bible calls God holy, it means primarily that God is transcendently separate. He is so far above and beyond us that he seems almost totally foreign to us. And with that type of mindset, you kind of have a high and holy idea of who God is. Okay? God is not like man, and nor would we ever want him to be. Okay? 
the secondary way uh, we look at it in Scripture is his moral perfection. Infinite purity, even more than infinite knowledge or infinite power, is the object of reverence. The Holy One of Israel is he who is to be feared and adored. So, and that's Charles Hodges. Hodge, sorry. Um, and that's just talking about, you know, not only is he not like us, just he's so far apart from us, but he's completely perfect. And that's just something we can't, can't fathom. We can't even think about complete perfection. And when we talk, especially when we talk about morality, we don't, I mean, we don't see that anywhere. Uh, you know, you turn on the news for five seconds and you're like, there's no morality whatsoever anymore. Uh, but he is morally perfect in everything, in every way. Uh, so thinking about that, um, and thinking that the majority of Scripture, I mean, I don't know, what, how do y'all normally think of holiness? Y'all think of it as more of being set apart or the moral aspect of it whenever you're thinking about holiness? How do you think the holiness think about it? Not their denomination. How would you think they would think? Do you think they're talking about their moral perfection or that they are set apart? Yes, both of them. Moral? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just being completely set apart, um, I think is the best way, and especially when referring to God, because see, I mean, you think about His, whenever we refer to His holy, whatever, well, you can even think of that like his holy love is so far apart from ours. Not necessarily that it's moral perfection or anything like that, but you could also think of it as simply it's just so far above and beyond what we could ever imagine. Um, so just taking those two things and just thinking about, you know, um, you know, we're called to be like God, and specifically we're called to be holy like he is. And that is, in a sense, of being set apart like he is and to have the moral perfection uh, that he has. We are to be conformed into the image of his son who also contained absolutely 100% the moral perfection. Um, so this one is a very weighty attribute. Uh, you know, I argue that the sovereignty of God being able to control all things, you know, was the number one. Um, but this one's a very weighty one. Um, and this one, I think, these two attributes, the sovereignty of God and the holiness of God, if you just sit down and meditate those, on those two things, it should humble quickly. Um, and so I, I, like, I like studying these two um, specifically. Um, we're going to look at Isaiah 6. If y'all want to turn there, um, so you can see it all on one page, probably, hopefully... We're going to look at Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. Um, actually, I'm not going to because this is, I've got it. This is my ESV Bible and this is in ESV, so I don't want to. Now, this hopefully is a little familiar to you. Um, but it says, uh, Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, 
lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings, uh, with two each covered his face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Uh, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, uh, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and atonement is made for your sin. So looking at this, uh, a couple, one thing really, um, I guess, stood out to me that I don't really know the significance of it yet. Uh, I really didn't, nobody even talked about it. Uh, it just kind of hit me all of a sudden. It's one of those like, weird things that pop into my head. But, um, oh, whoops, about the other way. Um, so just thinking about the, the seraphim, um, You know, these creatures are made to praise God, okay? That's their whole purpose. And we see them standing above, each having six wings. And the very first thing it tells us about those two is with two, each covered his face. And I'm thinking, if you cover your face, your eyes are typically on your face, you can't even see God. So the very creatures that God has created to praise Him and be in His presence can't even look at God. I mean, that's just something I think, well, how on earth are we ever going to stand before God? And then it hit me, well, we're going to have glorified bodies at that point. Like, we're not going to be, you know, uh, me and Eddie was talking about it Sunday, you know, in Revelation where it says, he just, John just fell down like he was dead. You know, that would be us if we were in our own body, you know, with our own eyes. We would, it would just cause us to completely go unconscious. Like we could not see God and not be completely, utterly destroyed, basically. Um, so that was one of the things that just kind of popped into me. It's like, you know, the very things that are created to be in the presence of God uh, can't even look on him. And it's because of his holiness. Um, Cover his feet into, uh, they flew. Uh, holy, holy, holy uh, is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. So, um, you know, the, the fact that God is holy, the manifestation of that is his glory. Okay. Um, and that's the whole purpose uh, of our life of everything, of creation, everything is to glorify God. And so when you look at that and say, well, it's all to be like Him and His holiness, but it's also to, to glorify and to uh, magnify everything about uh, our Father. Um, and here, Isaiah, being a prophet, uh, someone that is to proclaim 
the Word of God, to proclaim the good news, says, Woe, for me, woe to me, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. It's like, you're a prophet. That's the one thing that shouldn't be unclean about you because you're the man that's proclaiming the excellencies of God. And yet here you say your lips are unclean. And that he lives among a people of unclean lips. And I think he knows because, I mean, of course, from the overflow of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks. And I think that's part of it. He knows his heart. You know, I, I've told you before, I know my heart. I know it's evil. Anything that's Cody-related would be completely evil. Um, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit, the grace of God that I, it's, you know, doesn't come manifest and come out. Um, but I think Isaiah, just at the sight of the temple um, filling with smoke, knew that this was the presence or the glory of God. And he knew right then, at the sight of his holiness, remember, it's the glory of God, uh, it's the holiness he knew, I better confess right here. that There's no way I'm going to be able to stand uh, before God's presence here. And so he cries out. Um, and we see that God uh, um, provides a way here by having the seraphim uh, to touch his uh, lips or his mouth uh, with the with the colon. No, notice it in verse seven. He says, "Be touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and atonement is made for your sin." Uh, so it wasn't just simply a, a mouth issue. You know, it was a heart issue. Um, so. Um, let me make sure. I think when, or Stephen uh, Lawson says, the church is at its strongest when it recognizes and honors the holiness of God. And I think that's, it's very easy to see the opposite of that and say the church has become weak because we have and fill in the blank you know we've let sin not be sin anymore we've talked about it as it's a you know you know we have mistakes or we have issues or you know this is not really um you know we'll say well go oh, but god's loving we don't want to talk about the holiness and how set apart how morally perfected he is and we want to make excuses for things. And that's when it's at its weakest. When you don't, you know, if you don't, the whole saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's what the church has done. You know, we don't stand on the word of God and say, this is truth. We don't care what you say. We don't care what, we don't care about your feelings. Sorry. This is truth. And, you know, the church is to be uh, the pillar and buttress of truth. That's it. And so we have to stand not only for the Word of God, and, but we also, the church has to start or needs to be firm in the holiness of God and not give sin an inch because God's not going to. God's not, you know, if one sin of Adam cast him out of the garden, what makes us think that any sin that we have is ever going to be able to be in the presence of a holy God? It's not. He will punish all of it, or he has in Christ. Um, so, 
the holiness of God definitely something that we've got to um, or I, I say we got to need to meditate on. And we kind of need to read uh, almost the scripture through that lens of the holiness of God. We don't ever need to uh, let that be something that's kind of in a, uh, over in the corner and say, well, you know, God may not be exactly set apart or holy in this. You know, he may give a little, a little um, on this issue or topic stuff. No. God is holy. There is nothing that he's going to allow uh, before him that's impure. Um, all right, let's look at some other ones. Um, I didn't know this guy, Jay Howell. This is a 1670 guy, so um, we'll ask Mama about him. That says, this may be said to be a transcend transcendental attribute. <clears throat> the... Uh, as it were, runs through the rest and casts luster upon them. It is an attribute of attributes. So that's what he's saying. Like, there's so much of the other attributes that the holiness of God is also a part of. Um, it is an attribute of all attributes, or of attributes. So, you know, we can't get away from the holiness of God, uh, even in, like I said, his love, his wrath. Um, and then knowing that too, like we can't, like we're never going to understand it all. And a lot of people will say, well, you can't talk about the love of God and then talk about the wrath of God. Those two things are contradictory to each other. Well, no, they're not. They're actually, they have to go, they're kind of like hot and cold. They have to go together. Like there's no way of uh, really distinguishing the two without, you know, if you don't have one, you don't have the other almost. Um, so we have to keep the holiness. Um, and I, there's a reason why I wanted to go ahead and hit it before I really go into any of the other ones uh, because we have to keep this one uh, in the forefront of our mind as well. Um, so we're, I've, I listed a bunch of them in Psalms because Psalms hits, you know, holy, whatever, you know, talks about a lot of them. So a lot of these are going to be in Psalms. Um, Psalms 97, 12 says, Be joyful in the Lord, uh, you righteous ones, and praise the meditation of His holy name. Um, just the name of God. I mean, Old Testament people, you know, they were huge on the, the names of God. You know, we have Jehovah Jireh, God provider, you know, all these different names for God. He says every bit of him is holy, his name. Uh, 98.1 says, Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. Hadn't really thought about the holy arm of God. But everything about him is holy. Uh, 99.3, uh, may they praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Oh, those are really small. Sorry. Um, exalt the Lord. Or this is 99.5. Uh, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Exalt the Lord. This is 99.9. Uh, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. Um, so I think uh, if you probably, if you sat down and actually looked at all of them, I would say probably the holy temple or holy hill uh, is probably the most referred to holy fill in the blank. Uh, I really don't know what, hadn't, didn't have a whole lot of time to sit down and think about what really that meant. Um, and meditate on it as much as I want to, that's going to be one of those that I have to do because um, 
you type in holy in a search engine and hit enter and it's just one after another holy temple holy hill holy place holy ground you know all these types so i'm sure there's a good um a good lesson i think that we can learn in that but i have to go back and do that one in hindsight i guess uh 102 19 uh, for he looked down from his holy height uh, from heaven the lord looked upon the earth so another kind of positional uh, bless the Lord, my soul. This is 103.1. Uh, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 105.3. Boast in his holy name. Uh, may the heart of those who seek the Lord be joyful. Uh, 105.42 says, For he uh, remembered his holy word with his servant Abraham. Um, so a lot of them, um, apparently the author of the Psalms really had a... a a sense of the holiness of God. Uh, talking about his name, his arm, uh, his height, his, um, his word, and everything. Um, and I think we need to have a better consciousness of that, of God's holiness in all things. Uh, I know I, I don't know who, I'm sure I heard somebody talk about it. I know it didn't come from me, but uh, I tried to start my prayers with Holy Father or Holy God just to kind of put that mindset that I'm going before a holy God, I need to watch what I say. I need to make sure I'm not just blabbing, basically, uh, because He is holy. Um, anybody got anything on those? I mean, there's still a lot more, but we kind of jump into some other ones. There's ton, like I said, you open a Psalms and you're really close to finding the holy something of God. Um, Anybody got a favorite holy attribute or holy body part? Uh, arm, ear, toe, something like that. All right. Uh, Psalms one forty five seventeen says, "The Lord is righteous in all His ways, and kind in all His works." It doesn't have the word holy in there, but it is. I mean, you look at it; He is. Righteous in all his ways. It is perfect. All his works are perfect. Um, they are morally perfect. Um, so even though the word holy is not necessarily used, we do understand that his works and ways are perfect. Uh, then we look at Genesis 1, 31. Um, and this one we all kind of know. And God saw all that he had made, and behold... It was very good. Well, there's no way he could have said that if it wasn't holy. If it wasn't morally perfect at that point, there's no way he could have said that. It's good. Um, and there was even in there was morning, the sixth day. So at that point, everything was good. Perfect. Um, Ecclesiastes 7, 29, uh, Behold, I found only this, that God made people upright, but they have sought out many schemes. <coughs> God didn't make us evil. We just, we were, I mean, God, Adam and Eve walked with God. If they had any type of sin in them or moral corruption, they could not have been in the presence of a holy God. Jude sits and the angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he uh, has kept in eternal restraints under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So 
uh, even the angels weren't in the domain that they were created to be in and holy in, in the presence of God. He had to kick them out. <coughs> oh, no. <coughs> I hope this ain't a Sunday thing going on again. <coughs> All right, Ezekiel 28:15, you are blameless in your ways uh, from the day that you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. So just throwing to the point of, hey, everything that God did and does is perfect and holy. Don't ever think that God did not create. He created man in his image. His image is holy, just like he is holy. So man was created perfect. Morally, perfect. But that didn't take long to ruin it. We didn't take long to ruin it in our own self. So um, these are, you know, we can't really exhaust all the, I mean, we're going to talk about them, so I didn't list them all here. Uh, we're going to talk about the other attributes and how we would uh, refer to them as holy, but, you know, Just the fact that God keeps his word, you know what I'm saying? He's not going to go back on his holiness. And we can't, it's hard for us not to fathom because we're like, well, you know, we'll say, well, my kids never do this. Well, how many, how many times, or I'm never going to let my kids do this, or whatever. How many times parents have to renege on that and go back? But God's not going to do that. God says, this is how it's going to be. I'm not given an inch. You know, there's no way that, because if he does, we're, we're doomed at that point. Once again, if God's not faithful to who he is, we're doomed. Okay? We have no hope. We can't trust him at any point. So if God went back on his holiness, we can't trust God. Like there's nothing that, you know, we would never want, you know, we would well, a lot of people probably want him to go back on his holiness, but really we don't because then we can't trust God. You know, if God says, well, I'm going to allow this sin, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why that sin? You know, then we're going to start questioning God for all these things. It's like, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great, I mean, we really don't want God to go back because if God, like you talked about, his holy heart, if God goes back on His holiness, He comes down to our level. And we don't want that. You know, we should be trying to ascend to His holiness, not Him coming down to our moral perfection or our morality. So we, we never want God to do that. Uh, he's called us to arrive at His holiness, which we're never going to on this side of glory, but we're called to, and we're called to work on it and be conformed to the image of His Son. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, anybody got any questions or comments on that? It's really hard to talk about <laughs> and explain the holiness, kind of like the sovereignty of God. I can't can't explain it all, but and the holiness, you know, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. And but I'm so thankful for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though I don't understand it all, it's like, I don't understand how a vehicle works completely. But I'm trusting it, hop in it, and drive down the mountain. And that's kind of like the Holy Ghost God. Like, God, I, I really can't understand 
your holiness completely, but I am so thankful for it, and I glory in it. Thank you for it. Um, same thing with the sovereignty. Like I just don't get it all. Can't understand it all. But come on, y'all talk. We got plenty of time to talk. We see the holiness of God, or the holy, 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 holy again in Revelations. It's really the only two places we see it is in Isaiah and Revelation. Um, I don't know what, you know, this is one of those things that's kind of like, hey, remember this. Like at the end, it's kind of like, remember, God is holy, holy, holy. That's kind of what I feel like with it being placed in Revelations again. It's like, don't think, we see all this crazy stuff happening in Revelation, but just remember, God is holy, holy, holy. Um, I mean, I think we'll be right there saying the same thing. I mean, uh, I mean that's what the angels are charged with saying all the time is holy, holy, holy. So we're going to be hearing it, and I figure we'll probably chime in with that every once in a while, too, and be thankful for it. Um, Come on, ask questions. That's the way I understand. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I said, it's one of those things. I like hearing other aspects. That's the reason why I got to read all these different people and see what they're saying about it and wrap my mind around it. Try to. Holy or he's holy or mm -hmm. you see all throughout the Old Testament. So, in my opinion, that's the reason it's probably that and the sovereignty of God are the two heaviest attributes. Those are the two attributes that separate him from us. You're right. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's not spot on. I mean, the, the fact that God is holy, that he is separate from us, is, you know, what makes him so glorious. You know, we don't want a God that's like, I don't know, I don't understand why. Which, I mean, I don't guess they made too many images of man as their idols. And, you know, I guess they made tons of different ones. But, you know, why would we ever want God to be like us? I don't understand that. He's so far greater in every way. Why would we ever try and bring him down to our level? Defining holiness, uh, that's him acting in his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Because he's the one who says, I am holy. This is holy. This is ultimately how he judges the world mm -hmm. by his sovereignty. Yeah. I mean, they all this works. I mean, when you're talking uh, about the attributes of God, like I said, they're all interwoven. And his sovereignty is holy. It is perfect. It is not found with any type of moral imperfection whatsoever. Um, and then we could talk about, I thought about this, like, let's just talk about us being holy then. Let's compare the two. And it's like, okay, let's go home. <laughs> There's no comparison. Like, how do we even start to, I can't even get out of bed most days before I've had bad thoughts. Like, 
I don't get it. I don't can't imagine that part of heaven. Like the fact of I'm never going to sin. I will be morally perfect at some point. Can you say the future? I guess is eternity future. I guess yeah. But it's just like I can't. I don't even know what that's like. Can't even fathom what that would be like. I guess it's like science fiction stuff to me. Like I can't can't get I can't get it. And it almost feels like it's a it's not a burden, definitely. I mean it is the law of God's good, you know, to try and live up, you know, to the holiness of God, but it seems like it's so far fetched. Like it's like, how could I ever live up to that? How could any man, and then you look at Christ and you're like, He was morally perfect. He was holy while here. And I just can't fathom that. How can you be amongst us and remain? It was holy anger. It was holy. It was definitely holy anger when he was (laughs) flipping tables and dealing with man. I can't. You know, I wonder just how many people sat back, like Jesus' brothers, and was just like, goody two shoes you know like looking back say like waiting for him to mess up he's like mom get get on to him like <laughs> come on look at James James supposedly took him a while to recognize Jesus as the Messiah and I was like dude you grew up with the guy yeah I mean how did you not recognize this he's on a whole other level than anything yeah. you do but. how can you obey and honor your parents all the time and your brother be like come on not notice it. I think too, that they're just their idea of Messiah was still a military power. Yeah. They couldn't see the, the real thing and, and even. Yep. But I think this one, like I said uh, in the beginning, that this one I think is the the biggest one probably that's going to cause a high and holy living. If you just sit back and go, just think about God, think about the holiness of God and how we are called to be set apart. We're called to be conformed to the image of His Son and think. Even the worst thought, I mean, even the thoughts, you know, even the things that we don't even know about. You know, God required a sacrifice for the unknown sins that man committed. That's how unholy we are. We don't even know we're sinning. And God requires death because of that. Um, And just to think that we're called to be holy. I think this one was the one too, though, that you focus on. If you can just focus on one attribute to be like, Focus on holiness. Because everything, if you filter scripture through that and how holy God is, then it'd be I think it'd be hard to get off course. If this is one that you really just meditate on and think about. You know, and I don't ever really remember a lot of preaching in my lifetime on the holiness of God and how holy God is. I mean, we'll sing it, 
Well, saying holy, holy, holy. But as far as someone preaching on the holiness of God, it's not one that's going to tickle a lot of ears. I don't ever remember, Donnie. Mm-mm. I uh, the, the earliest one I remember was... Uh, the earliest one I remember here was Daryl. Uh, 